Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We sing all the time, Oh Lord, you meet all my needs. In fact, I love that old hymn, you know, um, um, from an old He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. And yet, I, 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 yet, I lived my life needing. Needing. I'm on the victory side, but, but I mean, but, but there's nothing wrong in saying that. Need, you need, well, I need this. Well, if somebody doesn't treat me right, or if somebody doesn't do this right, or I need to be lifted up, or, you know, people In other always, words, if, uh, if, if, they if, do, if they treat me yeah. wrong, then I'm go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, and, or in the world, you know, I just got to have, I just got to have someone to be with. Just got to have someone to be with, you know, just, I just need, 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 need. If somebody doesn't say hi to me at church, my whole life falls apart. I mean, you know, I just need, I need. But see, all that stuff she said... When your eyes are really open, you don't have to try to work it up. When, when your eyes, You're just trying to get up high enough to somehow no. express the greatness of what you believe in. You really believe what you became when you got born again? All those days are over. Over. In other words, you don't you don't depend on how someone treats you if you have a good day or not. Because no matter what they do, somebody has done far more for you than any any person could ever undo. You, see, you could and, say and, it this and, way: and, they didn't give it to you, and they can't take it away. But, and that's why young people are having, you know, so, so many affairs and stuff because the adults do it, you know, and they're just, they're just trying to find someone. Ooh, I think we fit. Ooh, we fit. What he's really saying, girls, is I want you whether you need me or not. I just want you. You don't want somebody like that because it's, we're not Legos. What they're saying is I got to have you. No, you don't want somebody like that. You don't want someone like that. You want them to know their needs are met in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, if you want to do something together for the gospel, that's another thing. Hallelujah. I don't care how much somebody says they need you. It ain't true. If they, if they start using that word, go, mm, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. You don't need all, you don't know all your needs are met in Christ Jesus. You know, when the devil comes up and tries to do something and try to spoil things and try to, you know, make, and try to talk to Jesus and tell him, you know, do this and do that, you know. And didn't he know he was getting ready to be undone, dethroned, finished, finis in French. Hallelujah. Didn't he know? No, we're not a needs ruled people. And the day I figured that, out, everything changed in my life. So don't get mad at people if they're still doing things. Pray for them. Because they just don't see it. Well, they should know better. Quit saying that. If you knew better, you'd do better. Shouldn't they have stopped at that stop sign? Why did they run that stop sign? If they knew better, they wouldn't have done, they would have done better. 
because we're not just, he didn't say just, Jesus, Jesus didn't say sing to me. He said, follow me. Imitate me. One. We're not parallels. We're one. We've already got everything met. Thank you, Jesus. Am I making any sense, anybody? When I saw that, that was the end of my days. The end of my days of struggling. Struggling. The world out there is struggling. Kids, your friends are struggling. They're struggling because they got all these emotions and all this stuff. And, and they think, oh, man, I messed up. And now I'll never be able to serve God. Yes, you will. Yeah. Don't believe all that stuff. You can serve him. He still waits. And he's waiting on your friends. And he's waiting on those kids at school. And everywhere you go, he loves them. He loved the world. He loves the world. He loves the world. He loves the world. He loves the world. Come on, give them a break. They're just doing, and even you know a Christian who messes up, give them a break. Don't go around telling everybody about it. Give them a break. Pray for them. If you're Christian friends, you know something happens. Don't go telling everybody. Just fall on your knees. Fall on your knees. Fall on your knees. Because people out there don't know the difference and they're looking for somebody different and we're it. Hallelujah. We're at peace when everybody's in turmoil. Yeah. We're like, you're coming any day, God. We're just going to get this oh, awakening, awakening, awakening. Aye, aye, aye. If you hear I'm gone, you meet and run around the church and scream and shout. Y'all can sit down yeah. if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, cry just a little bit, but... Not too much. Can't bring a handkerchief, you know, when you come just so like that. But then be free. Because all your needs are met. Hallelujah. You guys have done well. I'm so proud of you guys. Someone said you shouldn't say that. Well, Billy Brim says it, so I'm saying it. Not, not just because she said it. You know, I just said it. I'm so proud of you. But it's not enough. <laughs> We've seen people stand and walk the cripples and all kinds of stuff. And so many people getting spirit-filled. So I mean, just at one church uh, a year or so ago, I mean, 60, no, I don't know how many came up. We, let, we did the altar call to get spirit-filled. Almost the whole church came up. There was only about four or five people sitting in the congregation. I mean, there were so many. Lois, she was taking a group and saying, all right, let's all get filled with the Spirit. We were, she was taking groups, you know me, one-on-one. And, you know, I mean, just, just so many adults and young people and, and little bitty kids and everything. They were, the whole church got Spirit-filled. You said, that's still happening today? A lot. Yeah. We pull it. It was in a church uh, on a Wednesday night where... The pastor who'd been there for years had passed away a few years back, and the wife had stepped right in and just taken it on because she knew she was also called. And she was just leading them strong. And there was something about that Wednesday night service. Most of them had never been in a service where we had been because we hadn't been there in about, I don't know. Some of them had the the core group, but we hadn't been there in 17 years. So they had a lot of young, new faces. (laughs) The young kids were coming up, you know, the the teenagers, and they were like, 
<laughs> you know, they were just freaking out. Well, I love it. Hallelujah. I want something to hit them stronger than they've ever been hit before by anything yes. else. I like it. So does it make you nervous when people don't go? No, it makes me nervous when they don't do something. <laughs> but we're slipping. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not us anyway. But I'm saying, there's more. More. Bring them in. Bring them into the church. Witness. If I were here, I would be known for bringing people to church. Bring them in. Bring them in. Ask them to come. People don't come because nobody asks them. Ask them to come. Talk to them about the Lord. Bring them in. Bring in the sheaves. Bring the wandering ones. Bring the ones that are the hardest. Bring the ones that look the worst. Bring the rich ones who are going to hell in a Mercedes. Bring everybody. You know what I'm saying? Talk to people about the Lord. Somebody said, don't talk unless the Lord tells you. Well, some of you, he hadn't talked to you very much. I'm just saying there's no harm in striking up a conversation with someone. No harm whatsoever. I'm not really outgoing like that. I would rather not say anything, but I will do it because I care for them. I can go the Cheerios and go, do you see the original Cheerios? Then I start talking to them. And I'm, not, I'm not special. I'm not like brilliant scholastically. Nothing special about me. Everybody's special. He shed his blood for everyone. He redeemed you all. He gave you all the spirit of faith that's in him. So don't say you don't have faith. It could grow, but you've got the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of trust, the same spirit of dependability. The same, the same, the same. is necessary victory that is inevitable you can't come to the end of it so if you're at the end you're not at the end of what God can do somebody, you're on the wrong road somebody once once told uh, uh, someone my, my office my, my office they said well you know she's kind of glory they're just they're, you know they're they're not current current our church is a bunch of young people I thought, let me at them. Just give me one spot. Just give me one chance. Just give me one chance at them. You guys care if we're current? You think we think we're current? You think the gospel's current? Don't you, don't you receive? Just I'm, Hallelujah. Oh, we're seeing it all over Praise the place. Praise the Lord. Okay. Woo, we're hearing about it everywhere. Hallelujah. Oh, People say, one guy said, have you ever seen the glory? He was an evangelist. I went, I thought, is this a trick question? It's like somebody said, when you go to heaven should not be the first time that you've been there. I see the glory now. You know what I mean? We're born. Eternal life is not life that, is, when we get to heaven, it's life from heaven that is in us now. He that believeth hath everlasting life. You say, Praise well, the Lord. I, I'm disqualified for seeing the glory. Who disqualified you? Somebody on TV? Don't believe them. Praise the Lord. God never disqualifies a repentful, loving humble 
said, don't disqualify yourself for any reason. Go ahead, Royston. You, just, you just go ahead. Just Thank go ahead. you. I think I will. I'm going to give you one of my, praise the Lord, Pastor. Pastor I'm going to give you one You're of making sure I get up here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to give you one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible because uh, people, you know, change, transformation doesn't happen by focusing on what's wrong. It happens by focusing on what's right, what's true. Transformation, you're transformed by whatever continually holds your attention. And the transformation into the will of God comes by focusing on what God says about you. You don't make it happen, but you change. You could say, I'm changing my clothes. <laughs> I'm getting a new wardrobe. And you begin to understand that God's word, this is not just information. This is God's living love letter to you, about you, and it's for you. But in one of my favorite um, scriptures, and actually there's some other things, but I'm going to focus on this one, on Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. And if you don't know this scripture and you'd like to do more than just, you know, show up to church, you'd actually like to, uh, you know, overcome obstacles. You'd actually like to uh, have some mountains move and you say, oh, I, you know, maybe you're uh, kind of like I used to think uh, when I first started to go to Rama, I thought, you know, faith is the victory, and it is. And this is the uh, victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And if I just had enough faith, I could get to the place where I'd never have another problem. Really, I just thought, that's all right. I just thought, if I, if I just got enough faith, I could get to the place where I'd never have another problem. But you know what? I realized that when you get faith in God, it's not that you never have another other problem. It's that problems never have you. You understand what I mean? In other words, instead of the problem being what you're focused on, and that, that's basically the difference between fear and faith. Fear focuses on the problem. Faith focuses on the promise. And you understand, it's not a man-made thing. It's, it's a God-breathed word. It literally contains the power to do what it says. I mean, God's, it's like, you know, if you've ever seen somebody blow up a balloon, their breath is in that balloon. And that's how God's word is. His life, his life-giving breath is in his word. And when you take that word, you're that balloon. Oh, hallelujah. And so Philippians 2.13 says this. Now, when, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons why I love this scripture so much is because I used to struggle with the fact that I thought, you know, God, I love you, but I just can't, there's, I just can't do anything for you. I used to think that until I read this scripture. You know, it's kind of like, you know, 
you find out, have you ever seen that? Oh, let me see. I actually have it written down here. Have you ever seen that um, advertisement for some type of, uh, I wrote it down here so I wouldn't forget it. Uh, they, uh, they do that, uh, t that, that they discover your DNA, discover your family tree. You know, I don't know if it's 23andMe or something, Ancestry, but they show this commercial and these people, uh, are, they, they are up there and they, 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 you know, they're dancing in their German whatever they call that, leader hosen. And they're like, and they thought, you know, we always thought we were German. We, sat, we, we drank beer, we had festivals, and then we did our, you know, ancestry, uh, 23 and me, and found out we were Irish. We, uh, you know, so now, or however it was, something like that. I mean, it's like that one girl who always thought, uh, you know, that she was, she always thought she was uh, uh, American Indian or something. She found out she was Jewish. She said, I don't know anything about being a Jew because I didn't know. I had, but she found out, I got to start finding out. And it's kind of like that with the word of God. I mean, you know, you literally discover your true identity. I mean, I'm glad everybody's wanting to focus on give me my DNA strip, find out what's, you know, where all my, you know, DNA came from. But I'm here to tell you, if you just do a little discovery on your spiritual DNA, honey, I'm telling you, it will light your fire. That's the reason I'm still here, not because I've never had any problems, but because there's a promise from God that holds and overcomes that problem because what he did far exceeded the work of sin, far exceeded the work that hell had pro propagated on my life, far exceeded it. Honey, he went far beyond the target, and then he gave me that power, and I discover it as I discover what he says about me. And I used to lay on my bed and think there's just something I can't do what God wants me to do until I added a little Philippians 2.13 to my diet. You say, you're just run down. You just can't do nothing. You just need to get some vitamins. You just need to get some vita in him and find out what he says about you. He said in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is at work in me, I always say, he says in you, I always say in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Because see, I always thought there was something wrong with me. And I realized that it was not according to what I, you know, I just needed willpower. I just needed some, you know, there's something wrong with my willpower. I thought that I was wearing the wrong clothes until I found out Philippians 2.13 says, God is at work in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The word work there means that he's energizing me. It's used only of superhuman power, whether of God or of the devil. It's a, it's a strong working of his power. It's superhuman. In other words, it's not just make, it's not talking about you just being smarter or you just learning how to act right. It's talking about the power, the exceeding greatness of his power that is at work in you who believe. 
to will and to do of his good power. My favorite paraphrase, I'm going to just skip to this one. It is God, it's William Barclay, it is God who is at work in you to put into you the will to desire and the power to achieve what his purpose has planned for you. Now, you're going to need to know this. Because, see, when he was talking to this, you remember what we read about last night? The Philippian, uh, 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 the, the, the jailer uh, and the, the prisoners and all of them. And, and this, who is he writing to here? The, the church in Philippi. And he's telling them, it's God who is at work in you. Both to will, putting into you the power the will to desire and the power to achieve what his purpose has planned for you. God is at work in you. Now, some people say, well, I know God's at work. But see, that's not enough. Because God's not just at work. He's at work in you. Come on. I mean, that'll make you comb your hair. God is at work in you. I love this quote by uh, Hudson Taylor, founder of the China Inland Mission. He said, I used to ask God to help me. Then I asked if I might help him. I ended up by asking him to do his work through me. I love that quote. I used to ask God to help me. There's nothing wrong with asking God to help you unless that's all you ever do. Because, see, then your focus of what God is, is, is wanting to do is all just about you. It's all just about you. I used to ask God to help me. But it, it's not that God doesn't want to help you, but it's bigger than that. I used to ask, I'm talking to you about somebody whose life still speaks. What was it? He wasn't just at the point where God helped me. He got to the point, and then he said, and then I said, well, God, I'd like, I, I, I might, I ask if I might help him. Well, that sounds more noble, but the only point is, you know, you're just dependent on what you can do. God, can I help you? Yeah, but you're going to come to the end of you somewhere. Yes, you always do. But then he said, I ended up asking him to do his work through me. That's what I want you to do tonight. That's what I want you to focus on. And I want you to take Philippians 2.13 so you can do it with the spirit of faith. So that you won't just uh, uh, go when it seems like it's a good day. But you'll be able to go through, the Bible says, through faith and endurance. Perseverance. They inherited the promises. They didn't quit. They didn't get, he's talking about Abraham. He didn't give up when God made his promise. He hang, hung on to that promise. And when there was no way it could happen, there was one way he had his eye on. And that was God's word. And God's word was all it took. God's at work both to will and to do, his will to desire and the power to achieve what his purpose has planned for you. He says in, uh, I want to get down here, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, I just felt I needed to read this tonight in the Message Bible. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, you say, well, how do you do that? Well, he tells you exactly how to do it. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture. And I see people doing this all over the place. 
You know, it's like they become so well doing things the same way a culture that does not know or choose to worship God lives. They don't live so that that can be included or their life can be, uh, 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 that's what they're living for. And so we think, well, I want to become adjusted to them. No, no, no. He said, don't be don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. You say, well, what should I do? Instead, I'm talking to you about God at work in you. Instead, he said, fix your attention on God. And you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and uh, quickly respond to it. Boy, is that good. That is literally the way it happens. You know, I like to say it like this. Obedience, and that's what he's talking about, respond to what he wants you to do and uh, readily uh, uh, give your attention to who he is and uh, uh, fix your attention on God. Uh, change it. He'll change you from the inside out. Recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. I always like to say it like this. Whenever obedience always starts with something you can do. Always. It always starts with something you can do. Whether it was, uh, you know, uh, God telling, the Bible says Abraham believed God. And so he left where he knew he was, not, uh, he left where he was going to what he did not know. But he got up and he left where he was and he went to where he did not know. Hebrews 11 says about by faith, Abraham did that. Abram at that time. Well, so in other words, it began with something he knew to do. And it always does. But obedience carries you to something only God can do. Always. Always. And you call and that obedience unlocks the supernatural in your life. It starts with something you can do. Let me see if I can get back over here now. But it goes to something only God can do. Hebrews 11, 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where he should receive, after receiving inheritance, he obeyed. He went out not knowing where he was going. How do you how can you go somewhere if you don't know where you're going? I've always heard if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to know when you get there? That's what they say in success. If you don't know where you're going, you won't know how you're going to know when you get there. What the Bible says that by faith, that's exactly what Abraham did. You want to know how you go somewhere when you don't know where you're going? Because you're following the one who does know. You're not a self-made man. You are made by the will of God. Oh, the devil says it's over. I'm not one to bet. My God is a God who's more than enough, and it ain't over yet. I got to read you this story in John chapter, because uh, I want you to see how you move into this place of God at work in you. I got three or four of them, but I'm going to choose two. Is that okay? Three or 
No, no, I'm not going to do that one. I Don't worry. Don't be afraid. He said, how do you move into this life of God at work in you? It's called obedience. And you say, how does it work? Just briefly, here's a couple of them. I like this one where it tells us uh, of the events that led up to Simon Peter. How many of you remember Peter? In Simon Peter, it says, uh, first of all, he hears, uh, hang on here. I want to read this to you. Uh, this is, this is in John 1, verse 40, and it says, he says, uh, Jesus is one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, verse 41. He first, now this is how he came to the place where he moved in obedience to God's word. And it says, at first, it says in John 1, 40, he heard John speak, he found Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah. So here his brother, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, comes and says, we have found the Messiah. And he brings him to Jesus. So he hears about Jesus from somebody he knows, and then that person he knows brings him to Jesus. And then that person that he knows, uh, he brings him to Jesus. Jesus and Jesus looks at him and he says, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, but you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. And so we read here how that he, this is his first encounter with Jesus. And this is the first that he hears God's word to him. But then you get over in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter four, verse 38 through 40. Now listen to this. And it says, uh, Jesus arose from the synagogue and he went to Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made a request of him concerning her. And he stood over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And he immediately she arose and served them. And when the sun was setting, all those who had any sick that were sick with diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Now, Peter, Simon Peter, Jesus has come to his house, healed his mother-in-law, and not only healed his mother-in-law, He's having a healing crusade in his house. Now watch this. This is Simon Peter. And Simon Peter, then he gets over here in uh, verse uh, chapter 5, and he gets over in verse 1. So it was as the multitude was pressed about him, talking about Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, talking about Jesus. He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. So Jesus got into one of the boats. It was Simon's. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and he talked the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, it always starts with something you can do. At your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught 
a great number of fish and their net was breaking and they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them and they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink and when Simon Peter saw it he fell down at Jesus knees and he said depart from me oh God you can't do your work in me I am a sinful man, oh Lord, for he and all who were with him were astonished. They were overwhelmed at the catch of the fish that they had taken. They were good fishermen, but this was not a result of good fishing. This was a result of the word of Jesus Christ. And he said, they, and Jesus uh, with him, others that had taken the catch, John, James, John, the sons of Zebedee, they were partners. But Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't back off. From now on, you will catch men. From now on, I will do my work through you. Now listen, because this is where everything changed for Peter. He heard about Jesus. Jesus had talked to him. He'd seen the crusade. But now it was time for him to decide, what are you going to do? And the Bible says that when they brought their boats to the land, they forsook all. They forsook their empty nets. They forsook their sickness and their disease without him. And they said, we're going with you. They forsook all and they followed him. It was the first time that we read that Jesus gave, or that Peter gave Jesus something to work with. He said, here's my boat. And Jesus said, I'm going to fill your boat today. But Peter, if you will follow me, I'm going to fill your life with a supernatural work. You think the fish in your boat is an overwhelming thing to consider. Follow me. Follow me. And I will make you a fisher of men. You know what he was telling Peter? I have a work to do through your life. And how far your obedience will go, no one can tell except your faith in God. There is no stopping point. Peter, he said, here it is. He said, it changed his profession. It changed his dreams. It changed his goals. You could say this, the best thing about obeying God is not what you get, it's what you become. It may cost you everything, but you will gain what you cannot lose to anything. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. This is the work of God in us. It's a supernatural call from heaven. It's a witness to the world that the greatness of God has come to those who have bowed their knee and said, yes, Jesus, do your work through me. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, if we obey, if we will obey in the things we know to do, then God will help us with the things we don't know. Don't become overwhelmed with what you don't know to do. 
obey in the things that you know to do. If you will obey in the things you know, you know, every time somebody gets, every time if I get, you know, a little depressed or frustrated, I know there's something God's asking of me that I'm backing off of. Praise the Lord. Y'all come back Sunday, we won't be here. Praise the Lord. But listen. There are two times I'm telling you, you live by faith, you will understand and be able to define faith. There's one other scripture I want to give you real quick. I see what time it is. And uh, we're just going to do this. It won't take too much longer. But listen. Listen, God is calling. He's calling on his people to rise up to a new place of faith and obedience in him. And don't shrink off because it looks like it's something that's not possible for you. Because what is impossible for man is possible with God. He can restore your life. He can lift you out of the miry clay. He can cause every stain to be washed away. And he can release you to a new place of grace if you'll just stand on the rock brother when the storm comes you'll still be there when it's over Jeez, listen there are two kinds of storms you can have them when you're in the will of God when you're out of the will of God but it doesn't matter God's word works the same I love what happened. I'm going to read this and then we'll stop. In Acts 27, when Paul is at 20 plus years in the ministry and he's standing before King Agrippa and King Agrippa is kind of confused because he's king. He thinks he's got it all and Paul is the prisoner. But Paul says, I'm a happy man. I count myself happy to be here, Agrippa. Hallelujah. And he gets down to verse, uh, in, in verse 19 of Acts 26, and he says to him, because I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Woo! His whole life was summed up. It's like they say, you know, when they go to your funeral, there's a day you were born, the year you were born, and the day and the day you died. And in between, there's a little dash. Somebody wrote a poem. What did you do with your dash? It can be summed up in a few words. Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Hallelujah. And then he gets into a boat. And in that boat, he's in the middle of a storm. And he stands up in the middle of the storm. And he says to them, I love what he says in Acts 20, uh, 27. As he's in this boat in the middle of a storm. When all hope that they could be saved is lost. And Paul stands up and he says, he says, be of good cheer. He says, friends. Well, he tells, you know, be of good cheer. Uh, I like how he says it in the message Bible. He says, says, uh, we could have avoided all this trouble and trial if you'd have listened to me back in Crete. I won't get into that. Sounds like a pastor. Sounds like some uh, evangelist I know. He says, but then he says, but there's no need to dwell on that now. Things are looking up. In other words, this is the point where Paul says, listen to me. We might be in trouble, and it might be because of what you did. But listen, there's something God has done, and he's here right in the middle of it. I'm in this boat, and I believe God. I'm not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So don't dwell on that now. Things are looking up. 
And the Bible says, he tells them, friends, he says, tonight, you, he said, last night, angel, God's angel stood by my side, the, an angel of the God that I serve. Woo! Glory to God. It's like somebody said, I was talking with uh, Angela, I think the other day, somebody said, oh, there's so many devils. There's so much evil work in the, in the world and so much darkness, evil spirits and the influence of evil spirits. Yeah, that might be true, but remember only one-third of the angels fell. That's the evil spirits. Only one-third, that means there's two-thirds. There's twice as many of the heavenly host of God who's at work. So every time you see one thing, you know you got twice as much from heaven. Hallelujah. I'll take it. He said, all right, I'm going to hurry. He said, his angel stood by me, an angel of the God I serve. In other words, just remember, you got twice the help from God that you ever got any evil stuff working against you. Come on. Put your faith in the supernatural power of God. And he said to him in the Message Bible, don't give up, Paul. Don't give up, Paul. He's in the middle of some trouble. He said, don't give up, Paul. And Paul's saying, I'm going to tell you what I believe. He said, don't give up, Paul. You're going to stand before Caesar, and everyone who's sailing with you is going to make it. He said, so dear friends, take heart. I believe God will do exactly what he told me. Woo! Come on. You go, your obedience begins with something you can do. But it's not dependent on what you can do. It's dependent on what only God can do. And the Bible says when they had a shipwreck, Paul grabbed, he said, all aboard. They all grabbed aboard and they swam for shore. And when they got to shore, Paul began to build a fire because it was cold and rainy. You think, come on, God. You told me you would carry me through, but I didn't expect it to be so difficult. Oh, listen to me. You may have enemies to face, but you have victory if you won't give up. And the Bible says he built a fire and out of that fire there came a venomous snake. I like what he said. The Bible says that when he had that fire, Paul shook the snake off into the fire, suffering no harm. I like John Wesley's notes on this. He said, having shaken off the venomous animal, he suffered no harm. He said, the words of an eminent modern historian are, quote, no venomous kind of serpent now breeds in Malta. Neither hurts if it be brought there from another place. Children are seen there handling and playing even with scorpions. He said, if this, if this be so, it seems to be fixed by the wisdom of God as an eternal memorial of what he once wrought there. I know that's not modern TV language, but what he's saying is when Paul shook that snake off, that venomous snake off, he didn't just have a good night. He started a new place of victory and those venomous snakes can no longer harm anybody. Woo! You say, I got to shake it off so I can make it. I can make it. No, it's not just about you. It's about the work of God through you. Come on, you're going to quit if all you ever 
never say, if God help me or, you know, God let me help you. You got to get to God. Do your work through me. I'm shaking this snake off so I can make a hole right here that everybody who believes God can come and experience the same thing. And the Bible says after he, sh after he shook that snake off, there was somebody on the island who was sick. And the Bible says it's... And the Bible, there you go. And the Bible says, my husband's such a peace-loving guy. Sometimes I just got to rattle his tree a little bit. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Bible says... That so they asked Paul to come and lay his, to come and pray for him. And the Bible says that when he got there, he laid his hands on him. And when he laid his hands on him, he was healed. And the Bible says that when the island found out about it, every person who was sick on the island came and they were all healed. Now, if you remember... Just a few scriptures before, a venomous snake had attached itself to Paul's hand. But the Bible says, why did he shake that snake off? Because he believed God. Why did he shake it off? Because he knew that that venomous snake was not the end. God's word was greater. He shook it off. And when he shook it off, literally, he went to that man's house. And I can just imagine that he took that same hand, that, that snake, and the work, the evil work it was trying to produce, to try to destroy, to put poison into his body, that venomous snake that had latched onto his hand. He took that same hand and the healing power of God began to flow in the very same place where he had been snake bit just a few before and in that same place he not only brought healing to himself, he brought it to the Father. He brought it to the whole island because God was at work in him and God is at work in you. Come on. It's a day of greater glory. Greater things from a great God. And he is at work in you. You say, why are you like you, how you are? I have nothing, nothing to trust in but the word of God. But I have found, and you know what? Boldness is a result of knowledge. But knowledge is not all it takes to be bold. You better have an experience where you can look back and you can say, I know what God says. It's been proven. I have stood my ground in the evil day. I have seen that he is greater than my worst nightmare. I know there is, the Bible says, a morning endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It's not just something I've, I have information on. I have stepped out. I let down my net, and there was a catch, a supernatural catch. God is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's up to you. Go ahead. If you want to go ahead. Um, we can do that. I just thought of, um, yeah, go ahead. 
I wrote this down. We're part of something bigger than we ever dreamed. That man to believers song is more important than probably you realize. It's one of the songs for today. Songs will come and songs will go. But it is speaking about our generation. We're part of something bigger. And you've got to stir yourself up because things are happening. It's critical that this church does what it's supposed to do. It was in the mind of God long before you ever thought of it. And the devil doesn't know what to do with you. He doesn't know what to do with us. So there's a divine mandate and mantle that falls on us. There are times in your life when you see something actually turning. You feel it. It's in the air. You're just like, oh, something's going on. And it's happening all over the world. And that's what's happening here. There is a mantle. That you, you, that's how what he does with us when he fills us with the Holy Ghost. He mantles us with himself and then lives through us. But you can feel it. You can taste it. He's prepared this church to fulfill and finish the destiny to Jerusalem and all around the world. Praise God. We stand and support. It's a praying church. It's a Holy Ghost church. So winning church. It's a praying. It's a praying church for, for, for the nations. It's a, it's a believing church. It's a loving church. And you want to make sure your church is a safe place for anybody to come in and not be afraid to share anything about themselves that you won't make fun or hurt them. You'll help them. You want a safe place. You want to be that place that people say, you can go there. They care. And there's an excitement in the air. There's something different about that place. It's happening Kids, remember, remember this. You're only two kind. You're only two. There's only two things you could ever be. You could be a mission field, or you could be a missionary. And when I was talking about that guy girl thing, you know, and dating and stuff a while ago, I read something by an older fellow. You guys need to read some older things. Oswald Chambers. He said, "Obedience to the call of Christ." nearly always cost everything to two people. Those, why is that ringing there? Did something change? Did anybody change anything? 
two people, those who is called and the one who loves the one that's called. That's why it's very important that you listen and obey. It's better to stay single than go the wrong way. Because you want to finish. You want to live the whole reason you were born. Why is all of a sudden there's a move and a pushing to kill so many unborn children? It's the same way it was when Jesus was born. The devil is afraid because every baby is a potential deliverer. Could this be the one who obeys? Could this be the one that was meant? Could this be the one? Could this be the one? I'll take care of that. And he brings it around every generation. I'll just slaughter them before they can be born. Huh. But we're on the victory side. <laughs> uh -huh. We're not moved. He said, uh, Paul said to, to uh, somebody in the Bible, Timothy, I believe, he said, wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands. He said, neglect not the gift that's in you which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of my hands. He said, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before thee, that you might as war a good warfare. Warfare, I cannot say that word. Okay, yes, that's what you'll do. He pours his spirit out upon us. Pours the spirit out. I've been crying for to wake up the believers all over the world for many, many years, and I will not stop because there's an outpouring here and an outpouring there. And every time there's an outpouring, people are praying. Happened in the Lewis Islands. 82-year-old woman, 84-year-old woman. One was stone blind. One had crippling arthritis, and they said, "We're concerned about our children." There's not any children coming to church. They, they couldn't even go to church. They had to, they had to serve the Lord most of the time in their little, in their little uh, uh, cottage. But they went to the pastor and they said, we're so, we're so disturbed. They said, if you get some guys to pray from 10 at night to 4 in the morning, we'll do the same about stirring up or awakening for our children. They did it. They invited Duncan Campbell to come and speak. He didn't want to come at first. She said, if you knew God's voice as well as, as well as you think you know God's voice, you'll come. <laughs> oh, I love that. Anyway, because <laughs> uh, no one's exempt. No one's exempt. No matter how good you are, no matter how popular you are, no matter how much you know, nobody's exempt from missing things. If, if, that'd, be, if that'd be so, you know, we just call you Jesus. We can call you a follower of Christ. And so they went, and he came, he finally came, and they had, they had about 100 people in the church, you know, and they, he said, can we just greet the people, and then you can go, because I know you must be hungry, you just, you just drove in, or flew in, or took the boat, or whatever he did. 
And uh, so, but, so they start praying. But one of the elders, one of the elders that had been praying, he fell to his knees and he said, God, you promised to pour your spirit out on those who are thirsty and flood the dry grounds. Now, God, you're not doing it. You promised. You promised. Right? In the meeting. Just got in the aisle and start doing it. I love stuff like that. <laughs> then all of a sudden, somebody goes to the back door. They open the back door and they said, come and see this. About 100 people came to the church. Didn't even know there was a service. They didn't know they had been praying. This didn't happen overnight. It's critical you obey. Critical. I can't stress it enough. Don't you dare back down. Snake bit hand. Just put it right on something. Take the same hand that was bit. Huh. Not only that, there was a dance. A hundred kids were at this dance. Over at the dance hall, the, 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 the Hebrides Isles, you know, the islands there. And they have small villages, you know, all around. But there was a dance. About a hundred kids were there. They all stopped dancing. And fell on them. They, just, they were just like, they were, didn't know what to do. They went to the police station, which was right close there, because they knew the sheriff was a Christian. They're crying out, what do we do? What do we do? Will God have mercy on us? He said, well, there's a meeting down there at the thing. And so all hundred of them came. They were crying for mercy. One young girl said, will God have mercy on me? Will God have mercy on me? Yes, we're blessed. Yes, we're blessed. But we are to be transformed is why he came. We can't forget that. Transformation. It's what the gospel's all about. And they were going through transformation that night. Is there mercy for me? Not only that, they went back to the door. Now 600 people were at the door. I like this kind of stuff. I just thrive in it. All the kids, the towns, the city. I want to pray for all the kids in here, anywhere, wherever you are. If you're just, you know, wherever all the way up. And I'm, I won't do it slow. I'll do it quick. I know what time it is. Oh, just throw away your clocks. If you're college and career or younger. It was, it was midnight before that meeting uh, kind of really kicked into high gear. <laughs> if you're college and career or younger, would you do us some, I, Cindy wanted to pray for you tonight. Yeah, yeah. That, so would you do me a favor and come on up here? That's what this is all about. This Just is come about on up, uh, ushers, you can help them make one Stirring up the gift. Hallelujah. You stir it up in yourself. Oh, you don't need people to, to lay hands on you. But you know, it's part of the Bible and I like to use everything that's Just in there. Just stand right there if you would. Ushers will help you. You can stir yourself. Yeah, there you up. go. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.